end of the day, what worked in, and applied then, which is providing value to the customer, is as true today as it ever was. So if you're just writing content to write content, you just get lost. Sure. But if you're providing value to the customer, and it could be as simple as having the phone number in the right place. I mean, there's a lot of little things, but I think I think the bottom line is is you you have to provide value. I agree. Three, two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, small biz lady, America's number one small business expert. And I'm so excited to welcome you to another episode of the Small Biz Chat podcast. We have an amazing show for you tonight. The Small Biz Chat podcast is a peer-to-peer interview show. We're really focused on getting you information to take your business to the next level, which is why we bring in several guests so that you can learn from multiple different angles. The mission of the Small Biz Chat podcast is to end small business failure. And we've been doing it for a lot of years and we're not going to stop. So now at this time, let me introduce my guest. His name is Eric Brown. He is a serial entrepreneur and a seasoned urban housing developer. In 2000, he founded Urbane Apartments and developed over 16,000 market rate apartments on a national scale. He's recognized as a vanguard in the family housing industry for his innovative social media marketing strategies. Eric recently stepped away from his company of 30 years to create new side hustles within his new business called Urbane Farm, and his new company is a purveyor of 100 unique hot sauce brands, fish sauces, salsas, barbecue sauce, rubs, gourmet salts, beef jerky, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so he's recently released his first book called Second Act Entrepreneur. And I'm so excited to have him here because I had an opportunity to read an early draft of this book. And I was, and as long as I've known him, I really learned a whole lot from his book. So Eric, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Melinda. I really, uh, really appreciate being on. All right, so let's start from the beginning. Like, how did you become an entrepreneur and what made you think it was time for you to give your sage advice to others? Well, growing up, my father and my uncle just always had a lot of of their own businesses. They never really worked for companies. And, you know, 45 years ago, the word entrepreneur wasn't quite as prevalent as it is today. And so... I just decided to start my own business really right out of high school. I mean, so was your first business the apartment buildings right out of high school? No, I had a construction business then. Okay. little kind of crazy side story. My wife, her parents were more of where her father worked in a factory, and they were pretty critical of me in the beginning of not having a real job. (laughs) 
oh, well, you know, that whole son-in-law is not good enough business. I think there's plenty of that to go around. But once you started your business, your first business, what do you think was one of like the most important early lessons that you learned running your first business? Yeah. So running out of money and making mistakes, I've always believed that as business owners, we can afford to make mistakes, frankly, in direct correlation to how much capital we have. So if you have $10,000 of capital, you can probably make even maybe a ten dollars or $15,000 mistake, but you certainly can't make a $100,000 mistake because you can dig holes really fast. That's the truth. Amen and amen. I mean, I think cash is king for a reason. So you've got to be real careful with, you know, what your runway is to make mistakes. Now, after 30 years in the, you know, a housing industry, you've decided to switch gears and become product-based, you know, online retailer. So, so how did you sort of like make the decision to do your second act, right? Sure. So post 60, I started thinking about life a little bit differently. You know, there were a lot of books I wanted to read. There were a lot of things I wanted to do. And so one of our partners, nephew, actually wanted to get into the property management business. So we had been talking about it for 18 months to two years. And this last July, that actually came to fruition. So I was able to step away from the day-to-day operations and hand it off to almost an in-house kind of person. So that's worked out pretty well. But, you know, one of the things that's, that's interesting, I think sometimes we all, we start doing something and 10 years or 20 years or 30 years later, we're like, we're still doing it. And one thing I always, when I look back at my journals over the years, I always wanted to, I wanted days to feel like a Saturday. And I get like that can't always happen. But my wife said to me one day, and this was about year eight or nine or 10, something like that, into the property management business. She said, how long are you going to toil at that? Because we weren't really making any money. We were struggling. We had everything we had invested in things. When you're a real estate developer, you don't really ever have any money per se. You know, you're rolling it all the time and you're, you're you get funding from investors. And then she went on to say something to the effect of, well, you're living your dream. And I said, my dream? I'm not living my dream. It was just there. And while it was very good to us, it it was just there. And one thing led to another, you know, and 25 years go by. So one thing that's always fascinated me is the hot sauce business. And so that's what, you know, we ended up doing uh, here in the last nine months. Interesting. So you spent 25 years building a business. You've been wildly successful. I mean, let me say, I mean, you, you built a $10 million business, right? It wasn't some little business. I mean, you built a pretty significant business. 16,000 market rate apartments is no, no small thing to sneeze at, right? But you said it was just there? <laughs> you know, well, like I'm going, I, I guess we are something that was just kind of something to do. So what you're saying is actually a double-edged sword. When I say it was just there, the opportunities to do it were, the investors came easy. It wasn't really hard per okay. se. And then when you're taking 
investments from other people that you know and some that you don't know, you are pretty vested, right? You can't just go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And so the more successful you are, the more people who want to invest with you. So therefore, the more deals you want to go do. And one thing leads to another. And then you're like, wow. And it wasn't that I didn't like what I was doing per se, but there's a difference between you know, doing what you're doing and being passionate about something. Sure. I, I can agree with that. So the last nine months, you've built this hot sauce business. And what I find really interesting is you, you already, you know, indicated that you're over 60. And I thought one of the things that I thought was really interesting is I was looking up some research that said the fastest growing segment of people starting businesses in the U.S. right now are actually people 55 plus. And I thought that that was really interesting. But if you look at some more statistics, in fact, the average small business owner in America is 49 years old and has four employees. And I think, I'm not sure people know that. I think everyone thinks entrepreneurs are like these young people that wanted to drop out of college, like to start these fintech businesses for some 10X multiple of their EBITDA, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there's a perception that that's who entrepreneurs are when in fact, entrepreneurs are you, <laughs> entrepreneurs, you know, and there's advantages, right, to being a 50 plus, you know, or 60 plus entrepreneur. And I, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of like the advantages of being a 55 plus entrepreneur, but also some of the things that you need to think about when you're that age and starting a brand new venture. Yeah, so so I think part of that has to do with, you know, the baby boomers were, were one of the largest group of generation. And so many of us are becoming, I like to use Chip Conley's label of modern elders. Uh, so what are the advantages? The advantages are you have a lot of life experience. Many times you've either run a division for your employer, or maybe even ran the company. And, and so you have a lot of business experiences, but you also have an enormous amount of relationships that you've created. You know, so for me, one of those were 2008, when, when the economy slowed down, we were doing a lot of marketing work as well. And um, we were in the hot sauce business then, and, and we had a small company that was in the hot sauce business. But we were producing our own. And I met this group from, from New York who he started to procure different hot sauces. So I don't, don't know if he would have remembered me, but I, I actually reached out to him when I started this new venture now. And, and he did remember me. And we were able to get a wholesale account set up to, to get these 150 to 200 brands of hot sauce. Well. If I wouldn't have had those connections, and sometimes you don't even know if, as I said, you don't even know if they're going to remember you, but sometimes they do. And, and in that case, it worked out well. The other side of all that coin is you don't necessarily want to lose ground, right? So when you're younger, it might be okay to bet the farm. And I've done that a couple of times myself, but you don't necessarily want to do that as you age. So yeah, I think it's a great time to, because certainly I didn't want to stop working. I mean, I've always been a hard worker and put in lots of hours. I just wanted to 
I wanted to be able to spend part of my time working and part of my time reading, writing, studying, hiking, that kind of stuff. Well, let's get to that. So tell me about your book, The Second Act Entrepreneur. How did you write it? And, you know, what do you want to teach people? You know, I guess what I really wanted to have a takeaway was I talk a lot about what did not go right. And, you know, over a long career, I don't think I was any different than anyone else. There's a lot of things that go sideways. And, you know, the whole adage of it isn't necessarily what happens to you, it's how you react to it. And, you know, that whole thing about capital and money and extending your runway, you know, more than once, I made some mistakes that had five zeros behind them. And so you don't dig out of that in a quarter or, or a few months. Sometimes it takes a few years. So there's a big ebb and flow. And, you, you know, you talk about all that stuff in becoming your own boss, you know, and this whole thing about financing a startup business on credit cards is a bunch of hooey. I mean, I guess some people do that, but it's, it's not a very good idea. Well, I think some people do it because they just don't have a lot of access to capital any other way. I certainly know a lot of minority entrepreneurs are forced to do that. And, and, and frankly, I did it too. I had one small SBA loan, micro loan in the beginning, and the rest literally was my credit cards. And that was 23 years ago. But I also had a home that I could put up as collateral for that loan, right? So I think it's about how you position yourself financially before you go to start a loan. But you, you and I both know, Eric, banks do not loan money to start a business. They don't even want to talk to you until you've been in business at least two years. So That's I think- right. There's a lot of people that have done the bootstrap thing because they just didn't have the opportunity. But what I want to do right now is go to commercial. And when we come back, I want to hear more about Urban Farm. And I want to try to sweet talk you into sending me a basket of those uh, hot sauces you got. Because <laughs> <laughs> we like to test hot sauces around here. So you are watching the Small Biz Chat podcast and we will be right back. Are you ready to become a boss? Hi, I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady. Click the button below and take my free boss quiz. This assessment will help you learn your entrepreneur type and find the right business model for you. Get this information about the number one asset in your business. Yeah, that's you. Welcome back to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I'm here with serial entrepreneur, Eric Brown, and he's talking to us about how to become a second act entrepreneur. All right, Eric, I want to talk more about your second act. Tell me about this. Would you say 150, 200 hot sauces? I mean, how are you selling them? Do you have a website? Are you selling them on Amazon? Like, how are you marketing this new business? And are you finding that, you know, being an e-commerce business is a lot better than being, you know, an actual retailer, you know, dealing with customers every day? Sure. So actually both of my daughters, my one daughter is 40, the other one is, is 35, but they're both business, small business owners, and they live in mid-state Ohio, just a small rural community. But my one daughter has, it's a gift store, but it's like a resale shop. So she rents out a 10 by 10 space, which is a pretty, it's a pretty interesting platform for someone to economically get into business. So I just got a little space from her and started setting things up. But, but I also tried to pick products that I was going to sell 
that have a certain sort of underground following that can actually bring more business into her store. So a lot of the thought process around it was, was for that reason. So are you selling online at all or just through her store? We are. Yeah. We're so we're so part of what you get when you rent a space is she's got a Shopify store and you're able to put your product up there. Sure. And, and then I ended up helping her do some marketing work. So it's, you know, kind of a, a family, <laughs> a family thing. And people don't know this, but how you became famous and how I even met you was because you were a pioneer in using social media in the housing industry. And gosh, I don't remember how many years ago it was. I actually profiled you in my column in the New York Times um, yes. so, because you were doing some things that were very unique and you were revolutionizing your industry and people were holding you up as, as a national model to follow. And that's how we first met. And you've just continued to grow and ebb and flow. I mean, gosh, I don't even remember how many years I've known you, Eric, but you always are doing something cool. So with that, I actually wanted to ask you, you know, after 25 years or so in business, what cyclical trends have you noticed? You know, I think at the end of the day, and we've certainly seen lots and lots of changes in social media. You know, there was a time when we could, when we first started blogging back in like 2004 or something like 2005, it was amazing to me. We could write an article and this thing called web traffic went up and then it didn't take too long to figure out there was more renters coming through the door. And then... With many cases, when marketers get involved, they kind of, they have a tendency to muck up the field, right? So, you know, suddenly everyone became a content creator and it got kind of messy. But at the end of the day, what worked and applied then, which is providing value to the customer, is as true today as it ever was. So... If you're just writing content to write content, you just get lost. Sure. But if you're providing value to the customer, and it could be as simple as having the phone number in the right place. I mean, there's a lot of little things, but I think I think the bottom line is, is you, you have to provide value. I agree. I agree. And on that note, last question, what is the best business advice you've ever received? Uh, you, you've ne you never make money paying interest. And, and what I mean by that isn't necessarily, you know, there's good debt and there's certainly bad debt. But for things like, as I progressed through my career, things like buying equipment and just always try to do that out of cash versus, versus getting a loan. It's pretty easy to get loans and then it's kind of hard to make the payments. I think that's a mic drop right there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric Brown. You know, I always learn something every time I talk to you. What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is, it's called The Sedona Method. It's a spiritual podcast and that's my favorite. I love it. I actually have that book, The Sedona Method, so I know about that. What is your favorite business app? Shopify. Good stuff. What is your favorite old school marketing tip? Word of mouth. Word of mouth referrals. Love it. Love it. Eric, what's your favorite business book? Think and Grow Rich. That's a good one. Oldie but goodie. Love it. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you again to my guest, 
If you're working on your digital pivot, be sure to check out Small Biz Lady University, where you can sign up for my latest course, Social Media Selling. You can get everything you need to finally start developing and making the money that you deserve online. So go ahead and reserve your spot today at smallbizladyuniversity.com. You know, the mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. And I thank you for allowing me to inform your small business journey once again. And I'll leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Belinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.